Ooh, yeah, the macho man, Randy Savage here, coming at you live. I came to bring to you this podcast, my first little punk chess. I heard what you said in your podcast, yeah, Macho Man listened to the podcast this time, and he edited it, yeah, uh-huh, and I heard what you said, yeah, you little punk, you were watching, reviewing, doing versus Crush, WrestleMania 9, Caesar's Palace, and Macho Man, the greatest of all time, on commentary, and I made a comment, because I couldn't believe what I was seeing, what was going on in the ring, yeah, huh, and I made a comment, and I said I, should, I need to slap myself, and you, Jess, you said, yeah, you should do that more often. Guess what, buddy? Guess what, you chump, you punk? I can't, because I'm a ghost. So next time I visit from the heavens, I have an elbow drop with your name on it, uh-huh. You are going to be the one that's slapping yourself in the face. When you wake up and you see the stars, you're going to think you're dreaming, punk. Now. Without further ado, following podcast is scheduled for one fall year. And today's topic, forgotten WrestleMania matches and moments. Ooh, yeah. Whoa, brother. Don't you give an elbow drop to Jess, brother. Macho Man, brother. Who else is going to gobble my beer-sized can penis? Looks like Cuz did again. Oh, shit. Dropping that bomb track for Stoko. Steve Austin. I'm gonna have to show you how it gets down right here. Here we go. I am the wrestling king, former king of the ring. I am wrestling's go. Why? My name is Stoko, Stoko. I am the wrestling god. I go over, I'll do the job. I am the wrestling go. Why? My name is Stoko, Stoko. Welcome to the OWP. This is our wrestling podcast. This is Dave along with Jess. Hello. No cuz this week, bringing you our perspective on the world of professional wrestling. No inside sources, no ties to the industry, just stories from the diehards sharing opinions with you. And now on to our topic today, forgotten WrestleMania matches and moments. As always, you can reach us via Instagram at OWP2019, SoundCloud at Our Wrestling Podcast, YouTube at Our Wrestling Channel, or download WrestlePost the app that's no charge to you and join us along with other great podcasts of the day. Jess, can you kind of explain what we're talking about here? We've kind of changed up the names and the rules a little bit. Um, we've done this before, but we're kind of, we're, we're taking it to a different spin. Wouldn't you say? This is one of our, uh, one of our earlier episodes was underrated WrestleMania moments. And, uh, and it, it was nice. It was cool. I liked it. And I really like this topic because I think year round, you could always talk about WrestleMania and it's relevant. You know, even if it's not WrestleMania season per se. So yeah. I decided to change the name up a little bit. We'll, we're going to call this forgotten WrestleMania matches and moments because there is a difference. Obviously, match is a full match and a moment could be just a moment. And we'll give you some examples as we go. But um, but I think that changing the topic is pretty good. And I guess we can still call this part two if you want to. But at the same time, like it's sort of I'm just tweaking it a little bit. I think it's a little bit easier to say forgotten WrestleMania matches and moments because really it is. Hmm. There you go. That's and that's <clears throat> this is what's kind of a lot of fun. We we go back and forth on WrestleMania, and there's so many matches. They they start to become a seven hour show, and there are things that can be easily forgotten about. And uh, these uh, what we're talking or what we're going to talk about today is obviously no exception. You ready to jump in, Jess? Yeah. What are we up to now, WrestleMania wise? We're going into thirty five, right? 
Yeah, I think so. Jeez. God, I mean, it is easy for matches and moments to get lost for sure. Yeah, it's just a lot. You know, I can't wait. And aha, <laughs> this year coming up, Jess, is a uh, well, not, I'm sorry, not this year, but next year, is it? Um, Yes. 2020. Yeah, 2020 is going to be in Los Angeles. Woo! With the new stadium. No, no, the year after. It, this coming year, it's going to be in Florida. Then it's going to be in L.A. after that. Got it. Okay, so 2021. Yeah, 2021. Yeah, 2021. And then more We're than going. likely, We're 2022 going is going to be in Las Vegas. Dang! Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, we're we're pretty we're pretty confident in that. We'll see if it happens. We're pretty sure it's going to happen. So, man, that's just right in our backyard. Two years in a row that never happens. So it's pretty exciting stuff. Okay, well let's jump right in, man. We're going to talk about uh, a pretty amazing moment at WrestleMania Five. This was a debut of both of these amazing superstars. It's hard to believe that they debuted at WrestleMania Five for their first WrestleMania. Uh, this is Mister Perfect versus the Blue Blazer. Jess, what are we talking about? Yeah, I don't. I when I was doing the research for this, I was just like, you know, I'm sure it's happened before. But, you know, Kurt Henning and Owen Hart are pretty, you know, well liked and well missed and all that good stuff. And yeah, I I was like, wow, like not only was WrestleMania five, both of their first WrestleManias, but they faced each other. And I so I was like, in my mind, I'm like, God, I I don't want to go through every WrestleMania to see if this is the only time because it can't be after 34 WrestleMania it can't be the only time. And I don't think it was. I think, honestly, if I off the top of my head, WrestleMania 4, Bam Bam Bigelow and One Man Gang, that was both their first WrestleManias, and they fought in the tournament. But for just because of who they are, if you ask, like, what Owen Hart and Kurt Henning had in common, you wouldn't say, like, oh, they both debuted on the first WrestleMania against each other. Like, that's just kind of a cool little fact. I don't know. I found that pretty interesting. Yeah, after WrestleMania 1, there's not too many people that could say that. Everybody faced everybody for the first time at WrestleMania And I think one, it's but. more interesting that Owen's first WrestleMania was 1989, WrestleMania 5, uh, mm-hmm. because a lot of people didn't know he was the Blue Blazer until like 98, 99, when he started doing that Blue Blazer gimmick again, you know, when they started to make a reference. Nobody, even when he came back without the mask as high energy, nobody talked about, or the new foundation, I, did, I should say, Nobody talked about Owen being the Blue Blazer just because the reason why they put him under the mask to begin with was because Vince didn't want uh, anyone to know he was a heart member. So um, so yeah, it's kind of interesting that really separate. Yeah, a lot of people might think that Owen Hart's first WrestleMania was WrestleMania eight versus Skinner, but it was not. It was as the Blue Blazer against Mr. Perfect of all people at WrestleMania five. That's crazy. And, and you know, uh, Blue Blazer was kind of just a mid-card guy, and Mr. Perfect was just starting his run. He had what he called the perfect record, which he was undefeated at this point. Henning debuted late 88, and this was uh, um, uh, March or April, um, April 2nd, actually, of 1989. And, uh, well, unfortunately, the Blazer came out on the losing end of this bad boy. Yeah, and uh, just in your notes here, it looks like this is the first televised show that Kurt actually wore a singlet. Yeah, right? he was he wore like the underwear tights when he first came in. And don't get me wrong, like Kurt Henning's in great shape, but um, but he just wore the underwear tights and then he switched to the singlet that everybody knows him. You know, he wore the the neon green singlet. He wore the neon orange, you know, you know, the, the tights he got famous for pretty much. Um, And it's funny because like, yeah, you, you don't think that that matters, but that kind of summed him up and, and he sort of became famous for those tights. Right. Like that was his yeah. look. That's what he came. So he first came in there. It's just like I said, just wearing the the underwear style tights. And it just I don't know, it didn't really fit him. And then he I, to me, I, I believe this is the first televised uh, event that he wrestled at where he wore the singlet 
and then that yeah, became you, his if trademark. You quickly, if you quickly look at Henning and the and the standard tights back in you know AWA and other places like that, you almost don't you almost miss him. You're like, who's that? Oh crap, that's freaking Kurt Henning. You know, just because when you see the first thing you see about Kurt Henning in any photo with WWF at the time is the singlet. It's 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 completely different from anybody else, and it did um, it did put him out there. You know, it was one of those things that made him different. So that's, it, and that's happened. what WWE is. And that's what wrestling in general is. Right. I mean, like you have to do something that makes yourself stand out. You know, I, he was figuring out his character. He's figuring out everything when he first debuted. And I think I think probably tights were the last thing until he really figured out, OK, they gave me this name, Mr. Perfect, and they want me to have this perfect record. So he kind of had to figure out, I think, like, what, what could I do? That's different. And then, you know, he just kind of realized I'm just going to change my tights a little bit. Hmm. That's right. But like Moving I said, on. too. Uh, unfortunately, uh, you know, he, uh, uh, well, fortunately for Mr. Perfect, but unfortunately for poor little Owen, um, Mr. Perfect uh, came out the victor on this, uh, this match. I'm questioning the count a little bit myself. Uh-oh, here it comes. Fredo suplex, perhaps. No, yes. no, 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 no. That's the perfect flex. Oh, and he got it. So WrestleMania debut for both guys. WrestleMania loss for the Blue Blazer and a victory for Mr. Fucking Perfect. Yeah, I tell you, man, the Blue Blazer was, I don't even know if you can call it a mid-card. There was just nothing that was appealing about the Blue Blazer at the time. Uh, to, I mean, and don't get me wrong, you know, Owen Hart could, could work, but. Well, he did he, crazy moves, but him. yeah, you know, he was, Vince just used him for the few months he was in there just to put other guys over. And he did cool yeah. flip moves and stuff. And it really, you know, once you learn it was Owen out of there, you're like, God, he's really talented. But yeah, the Blue Blazer was absolutely not meant to be like this show-stopping, you know main event yeah. character. It was like, put him on a mask. So we know he's not related to Brett. And that yeah. was kind of the end of it. <sighs> well, we're moving on to a moment. <sighs> what, what the fuck is this? God, well, this is, <laughs> let me explain. So, well, you know, it, it's matches and moments. You know, we just talked about the match. Go back to WrestleMania <laughs> five and watch Mr. Perfect and blue blazer. It's a good match all the way around. Really good moves. Uh, you see how talented Owen is. And it was getting Mr. Perfect in that groove. So that was a great match, right? You know, so yeah. this is. But, but, this but, is this, but this moment, Jess. This I mean, is part of the yeah, moment. Let me, let, me just, let, me just, let me just put it out there. I mean, yeah, yeah, please so do. Please King, do. Apparently, you know, King Kong Bundy, who was a 400-pound massive. Apparently, he fucking was, Dave. Have you seen that fucking guy? He's huge. He's huge. And he squashes Little Beaver, who's, who's a little person, by the way. We, we, you could say midget. I'm sure people would be offended. But at WrestleMania 3, it's a moment that everybody forgets. Well, everybody does forget it, and I can't what? believe it. Because to me, to me, this is, this is the... <laughs> no, say stop right. it right now. Stop it right now. You're insane. <laughs> it, this was the first WrestleMania moment to me. When you talk about... How many, how many times do you hear WWE hype WrestleMania moment? WrestleMania moment. Like before, you know, when they're WrestleMania season and they're hyping that year's WrestleMania. Yeah, because WrestleMania 1, WrestleMania 1 was the moment, right? And then WrestleMania yeah. 2 kind of... Oh, great point. Like, eh, that is a great you know. point because they actually said that. You know, that's a really good point is that they consider the entire event of WrestleMania 1 a great moment because let's face it, when you look back, Mania 1 wasn't that great at all, actually. It really nah. wasn't. But it was the, the everything, the, the celebrities, the partnership with MTV, Hulk was huge. They got Mr. T, that whole thing. You know, so yeah. So what you're saying, whole, Jess, is this is your first real moment that's not like the entire Yeah, I feel there's a difference match. between you have you have a WrestleMania style match where like the match just fucking blows your mind and it lives up to yeah. the WrestleMania hype and it stole the show or or at least lived up to the storyline or whatever. And then you have moments where the match itself may not have been great or it was just meant to have a moment. To me, 
this is the first WrestleMania moment ever. And it was at WrestleMania 3, 1987. It was a six-man tag. Hillbilly Jim, Little Beaver, and the Heidi Kid versus King Kong Bundy, Little Tokyo, and Lord fucking Littlebrook. And so it was two regular-sized guys <laughs> against two little people. So the rules were... Hillbilly Jim can only be in there against Bundy and the midgets can only be in there against the midgets. Well, during the whole match, this little shit, little beaver kept running around and biting Bundy's ass and slipping between his legs. And Bundy and him are doing the comedy spot where Bundy tries to chase him and bend over through his legs, but can't get him. But finally, motherfucking Bundy caught this guy. And it's great. Whoa, is he going to splash him? He better not. Oh, he's going to drop down. Oh, he fucking what for what for he way fucking to, way to bury the lead fucking or way to he fucking slammed burn the lead, him Jesse. he slammed Jesus. the midget and he drops an elbow on him <laughs> and this is the reason why i say it's a moment this was fucking everywhere on espn of course hulk and andre was the reason why everybody came there right and then yeah. steamboat and savage for the wrestling fans stole the show with a classic wrestling encounter for the ic but this belt. was the moment but this was a fucking moment this is the thing that you want <laughs> on magazine like articles Bundy in midair fucking dropping 450 pound King Kong Bundy elbow dropping a fucking midget. It's great. God, go back and watch this. Like WrestleMania three, 1987. It's so, it's so fucking great. It's the best ever. That's a moment yeah. to me, baby. How, how is it not a moment? I, I'm not saying it's not, it's definitely a moment, but it's, and it's definitely one you, you would forget. But when you, when you read the card chess, it's just so fucking stupid. It really is. I'm not, <laughs> I'm not denying what you're saying right now. I'm just saying that it's fucking midget. King Kong Bundy elbowed a midget. How great is that? Uh, midgets are going to be calling. Go back and time. watch it. Yeah. F- fuck I you, will, midgets. I will, I will absolutely go back and watch that. Fucking salty midgets. Uh, here, here's where we here's where we shift some major gears because I got to tell you, this is, in my opinion, and I'm pretty sure Jess's opinion too, uh, this is one of the worst WrestleManias in history. Yeah, we're talking. About I'm glad that. you said that. But does we're, this match or does this match not fit the title "Forgotten WrestleMania Matches"? I think I think it does uh, for so many reasons, and we'll we'll talk about it in the in the in the. There's a moment that steals from the match, and that's yes. part of it too. That's why I, I, chose I think this. I think we'll I think we'll get into that. But we're yep. talking about WrestleMania Nine, one of the lowest gates ever for any WrestleMania. It was in freaking Vegas. Um, the next one's going to be in Vegas. Will be a freaking. It'll be a. It'll be a record. I'm telling you right now with uh, the new Raiders stadium that's being built inside the next three years. But this WrestleMania, man, it's just, it's it's so bad. It's in the sun. Like, I think every wrestler got sunburned, you know, until like six o'clock. Um, every, everything, Macho Man's um, on, you know, on the mic. It's it's horrible. There's so many bad things about it, but we're talking about Bret Hart versus Yokozuna. Well, and also, too, the, the theme was the Roman Coliseum. So this was an outdoor. Know, this is at the same venue that they used to do boxing matches at Caesars Palace. And it yeah. was an outdoor venue. It held like fifteen to sixteen thousand people, which not a bad not a bad number. But they didn't but it, sell that. But yeah, this is fucking this is WrestleMania, right? And they've never done it. They'd never they, the only dome they did it in up to this point was three, but they had it in yeah. a respectable arena. It's like WrestleMania four and five was at Trump 
Plaza, and it held like eighteen to twenty thousand people. They had uh, WrestleMania one at Madison Square Garden held like twenty thousand people. They had you know so it, it they definitely <laughs> they had WrestleMania eight. Excuse me, it was a dome. WrestleMania eight was in a dome. It was like sixty thousand people. Yeah, and so they have this, and this was a downturn in wrestling uh, business, Dave. It was you know, a tough time. Yeah. Yeah, this was a tough time beginning in 93. Wrestling had gone downhill. The steroid trial had broke or the accusations broke. Vince was on the ropes here. Hogan was gone for a year. He actually came back at this mania. And the reason why I chose this match was because everybody remembers him beating Yokozuna after this match and winning the world title, which people don't think fondly of. But that moment, that was a WrestleMania moment as well. I did not choose it, but that was a WrestleMania moment for good or bad. Hulk beating Yoko in like 30 seconds was a big WrestleMania moment, right? Yes. The crowd at the time popped. It didn't help. It didn't help anything after that. But at the time, it it was a cool WrestleMania moment. People who hated Hogan hated it. So it was like 50-50. But that that moment drowned out the match. Yeah, exactly. That's why the match was good, by the way. The match was not bad. uh, But yeah, very good. And, you know, I, I can speak forever about how they botched Brett's first title run and how they didn't put it on right. <laughs> Don't get me started, right? We only have like a, you know 20, 30 minutes on this. But I picked this match because it, it Brett and Yoko, knowing that Hulk was going to come in there and do the whole thing, because, you know, spoiler, wrestling's fake. Um, it They still got together and Brett said, like, I'm going to still, I want to put on a good match with you. And this really shows how not only good Brett is, but how good mm-hmm. fucking Yoko was, man. Like how, how how nimble he was and like how, I mean, there was a spot in here that I'm not going to play the audio on, but it happened earlier in the match where he fucking crescent kicked Brett right in the face. And Brett yeah. didn't have to bend over to lean into it. Yoko fucking standing crescent kicked Brett right in his face. And granted, Brett's only like 5'10", 5'11", but Yokozuna was fucking like 450 pounds here. For, a short, for a short amount of time, Yoko was the best big man in the business for a very short dude. time. But but in that time though he proved was, that he belonged yeah. there. I mean, oh, yeah. he showed doubt. up out of nowhere at the end of '92 and 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 didn't miss a step, man. This guy Yoko, crazy. you know, he's a Hall of Famer, and that, I think that's awesome. But at the same time, like God, like Yoko was so talented. I'm so glad that they got to put on this show and go back and watch this match because again, everybody remembers Hulk Hogan coming in at the end and beating Yoko. But this match was awesome. It was really good, and they worked out a really good little man versus big man match. And Brett's psychology was I have to do stuff. Another cool spot. Brett gives him a bulldog. Brett jumping off the top rope and bulldogging Yoko. Creative ways to get a big man off his feet. You know, when Hulk used to fight Bundy and the one-man gang and Andre, he would punch him and they would stagger and they'd not fall and Hulk would play to the crowd. He'd punch him again or run off the rope and clothesline him. They'd do the stagger. Yoko did that here and there, but Brett's like, I need to do creative shit. I'm a lot smaller than you, so I have to bounce off the ropes and be ping, ping, ping like a ping pong ball and bounce off. And it was really awesome. Even even the uh, the finish is amazing not not for what happened with um with uh mr fuji but i always thought it was quite impressive because just for me personally i have a hard time putting the sharpshooter on i think it's quite complicated for like the average person and not only is brett able to put on the sharpshooter on yoko but he doesn't even have to flip him to do it he basically keeps yoko on his belly and basically reverses in the sharpshooter from behind i thought that was amazing i don't know well, if you, that was a fantastic spot and then unfortunately it led into this for mr brett <laughs> The ref did not see that. Not illusion. Fucking macho, bro. Look at this. 
Yokozuna, yeah, people forget because of the whole that. Hulk Hogan thing. Like, people forget <laughs> that he actually won the title here against Brett. And granted, he was one of the shortest champions ever uh, but because of Hogan and Hogan coming in and doing it. But it was a like really well-worked match, and it sucked. It did suck for Brett. And I'm a huge Hulkamaniac, and I was at the time especially. I ran out of my fucking living room cheering in the front lawn uh, when this happened because I was but such a But she also Hulkamania. didn't know what the consequences would be of that moment. No, no, you're right. And and I was a junior in high school. It's not, really so your, it's not your fault. I mean, I was like was 16 or 17 years old. So I loved Hulk, right? Like, you know, so I was glad he was back and all that. So looking back, obviously, it was really bad. And that, that new Hulk resurgence didn't work out. It petered out quickly. Yoko beat him like three months later at King of the Ring and won the title back. And, you know, but it, go back and watch this match. That's why we're having this episode. This match deserves your time. WrestleMania 9 is considered one of the, uh, I mean, some people call it the worst. I think WrestleMania 11 is the fucking worst, but a lot of people rank 9 the worst WrestleMania ever. It's in my bottom five for sure, but yeah. this match, though, deserves to be gone back and watched because Brett and Yoko worked really hard, and Yoko is, just to watch him, you're like, God, dude, this guy really does weigh 450, 500 pounds, and he would gain so much weight later over the next three years, and he would eventually weigh almost 600 pounds, which is really bad, but just to see Yokozuna, his flexibility, his his the way he bumped and did great stuff. Yoko was awesome, man. He was really yeah. awesome. They actually they tried to send him away to like almost like a fat camp for a while. To, to yeah, they place. really did. And and yeah. and I know you're going to cover this, Dave, but it was Yokozuna's first WrestleMania ever, and he was a main yeah. event. He was in the main event, and he won the title. Um, you know, he, Yoko he before also this, won. He also won the first Royal Rumble to to offer that winner a title shot. Yes, was, Every, everybody knows thing. about. The Royal Rumble wasn't always, you know, the winner gets a shot at WrestleMania and the champion. Uh, yeah. the, the first Royal Rumble is just if you won the Royal Rumble, you got to say you won the Royal Rumble. 92 was actually for the WWF championship and Ric yes. Flair won that. But 93 was the very first Royal Rumble to say if you win the Rumble, you get a shot at the champion at WrestleMania. And Yokozuna won that. So and you, I think it's phenomenal because who's going to put Yokozuna over the top rope at that time? Yeah, it's so it's so kayfabe real to me. And also because Hulk overshadowed everything, this was Brett's first WrestleMania main event. Yeah, no one no one remembers that. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's funny. Is every time we talk about Brett in a main event or even a, a sub-main event, you know, intercontinental title shot at a, at a major pay-per-view, we never have a bad thing to say about him. And that, you know, it's just, it's Brett, man. What do you say? I, the guy never made a mistake, like almost ever. You know? No, you know, looking back, I really look back at Brett fondly and think of his work and be like, God, he was really good. Well, a lot of people want to like call him a whiner and stuff. And and um, even like some of his comments, I was reading an article earlier. This may be a little off topic, but uh, he was talking about his first King of the Ring moment. And the way he explains his, how his fondness of that night was how every match was different. And and he has to give accolades in different ways to each match. I'm like, Brett, just, just, I almost feel like he's, he's just rehearsing everything. And I think that's why people don't like, maybe they give him a hard time, but I think he really feels that way when it comes to ring psychology. He's so complex that it kind of, it kind of puts people off. Like he's trying to find a really complex answer, but I think that's just him. It's just Brett, you know? So, well, that is, and so like, complex. honestly, like he, he fucking loved pro wrestling. Exactly. Is that that's bad? What I'm saying. It's not. It's not. But I mean, I mean, you know, when when an actor gets into it, you know, we always brag when Christian Bale gets in character or Heath Ledger, he would, you know, to never break character or Jim Carrey when he played, uh, you know, Andy Kaufman and Man on the Moon. He never broke character. Uh, uh, recently, uh, Joaquin Phoenix as the Joker, you know, he would just act like the Joker. You know, we, we all praise that. What a great method actor. What a great actor. But yet when these guys do it, we're like fucking Mark fucking Mark for yourself. Like. 
And I yeah. didn't like bread for a while, so I'm kind of a hypocrite right now. But I'm going to admit that as I got older and as, you know, after the screw job happened and everything, and you went back and looked at Brett's, you know, career in the WWF, you're like, this guy was all that in a bag of chips. Yeah. He was fucking he was... that good. And, you know, people praise Michaels to be one of the best ring. And I'm not saying he's not one of the best ring performers, but how do you, Bret Hart, I always it, say that, I always so say funny, the term. Yeah. I was ahead, thinking sorry. the same thing. I was thinking the same thing that you are because you because people will roll on Brett before they roll on Sean, and they're both extremely talented. But it's it, Sean deserves a little bit more. Um, he deserves a little bit more blame for things, and, and Brett deserves a little more credit because Brett protected the business, right? Yeah, he was into yeah. it. What's wrong yeah. with that? There's but, nothing wrong with that. But, but I, Sean, I think, you I know, think... had open, you know, th- that match with Vader at SummerSlam 96. It was, you know, oh, he fucking God, yells yeah. at Vader in the middle of the ring and breaks character. Like, come on, dude. Like, yeah. nobody calls Sean because he was so good and so gifted. People give him a pass. But Jesus, like one of the most unprofessional fucks ever was Shawn Michaels in that ring. In his first, <laughs> the first half before he came back in 2002, then he did Not shit right. Him. But like, I mean, but before he was a drugged out fucking mess and like, yeah. but he still could perform. Can you imagine if he was sober and he fixed himself the first time? Are you kidding me? But like yeah. Yeah, Brett was so good. I always say the term flows like water. Watch Brett. Even the way Brett gets up off the mat, he always did stuff to protect his back, to protect his, you know, like Brett was so good when he would do moves. He'd protect his knees. He did great. He never hurt his opponent. And yeah. Brett was that good, man. He was really that good. I want, it's, sad, it's so sad that a guy who prided himself in protecting his opponents and never injuring someone ended from a reckless person oh, that Jesus. was never taught any better. Not he wasn't a bad person. Goldberg's not no, a bad I, person. I'm with you. I'm with you. He probably but still he, feels bad about he that. He was never taught any better. Ends his career with a reckless stunt. Well, the biggest uh, compliment any wrestler can give another wrestler is, is saying the terms "it's a night off" when I wrestle that person. And I can't think of anybody who wouldn't say, "Yeah, Brett's a night off for me." Right. You know, and that, that's that, that's all you have to say about it. So, you know, yeah, go back forward. WrestleMania yep. nine. Watch this match. Yoko and Brett. Brett defends his title. It's good shit. Speaking of WrestleMania nine, a forgotten moment is uh, quite interesting when we talk about uh, some some mime work. Right. we got some clowns doing some interesting work. Jess, we have two doinks at WrestleMania nine. And the thing about doinks or doink for that matter Several people played Doink over different periods of time, and you always knew which one was better when you go back and look at it now as an adult. But I think back in those days when you didn't pay enough attention, because hey, it was just Doink. We're like, God, man, how, how do they do this Doink? What what's up with this Doink? What is that the same Doink? You know, there was like, there was always that kind of, is there going to be another Doink today? You know, and that storyline. As much as I wasn't really a fan of of clowns and wrestling, to be honest with you. I'm not a <laughs> insane clown posse is not my thing either. Sorry guys. Um, you know, probably people are going to hope I go to straight to hell for that one. But I mean, the two doings at WrestleMania nine was an interesting moment. Jess, what, uh, give us some insight there. So many people get onto Vince for doing a lot of like winkity dinkity and uh, tongue and <laughs> chin stuff or whatever, <laughs> but probably the best thing he's ever done was people called WWE a circus. Because if you were an NWA fan or a WCW fan in like the late 80s and early 90s, you liked real wrestling and wrestling that looked real and stiff and all that. Sure. Vince was the cartoon bubblegum, you know, three ring circus promotion. So he came up with the idea and I'm sure other people did behind the scenes. I'm not saying all Vince. This was all Vince, but I'm just going to say Vince to paraphrase. He came up with, well, if if we if we have a, a circus, let's make an evil clown. And not only was that a cool idea, 
but they chose Matt Bourne, who is a great worker <laughs> and could totally fucking pull this off. And the original Doink, the evil Doink, was awesome and one of the best gimmicks ever in wrestling history. Yeah. And I will go out on the limb and say that. And he, he first debuted, he would just come out in the crowd or whatever. And then eventually he, uh, you know, went to shake Crush's hand. And over a couple weeks, they, you know, he squirted Crush in the face of the water and Crush got mad at him. And then the next week, Crush would wrestle a prelim. And then he came down and finally he had his arm in a sling because Crush grabbed his arm the week before and just said, hey, don't do that, brother. Don't do that, brother. And so he's so he jokingly the next week had his arm in a sling. He's like, oh, man. And so Crush said he was sorry. And then when he turned around, Doink pulled the arm out of the cast, which was a fake arm, and it was loaded, and he bashed Crush on the back of the head with it. And so that set up the WrestleMania 9 match, which, okay, where are they going to go from here? I'll tell you where they're going to go. It's fucking brilliant. <laughs> they it, Crush gets his finishing move on Doink in the middle of the ring at WrestleMania 9, and this happens. This is fucking phenomenal. They checked it and slapping myself in the face. You know what this is? <laughs> they should do that more. No, it's another two of them. Double doinks. Double two doinks. Double doinks, brother. Oh, oh they're, they're bashing him in the head right now with the fake arm. Oh, that's so good. They got all kinds of things in that. How does he do it? Look at this. This is one of the greatest tricks I've ever seen. Remember what doinks said about double vision? There's a bad. And they were doing a cool thing in the ring where they both mimed each other and stood in front of each other like you're in the mirror. Yeah. And they and it was awesome. Like, And the fake doink actually is Steve Kern, who was Skinner, which is a lot of people don't know. Which Steve Kern, wow. when unfortunately Matt Bourne was kind of fighting demons and injuries and stuff. So on house shows, when he couldn't make it, Steve Kern would step in. He'd be the fill-in for Doink. Yep. Yeah. It's just like it's just like any other um, Lucha Libre. You can fill them in if they got. But the Doink was Wait, Doink don't. was behind the makeup on you know, every TV show and all that stuff. And then after a while, I think he got fired because he just couldn't really get off the drugs and couldn't get away from his demons. And I, I yeah, uh, fuck, I don't remember the guy who took Doink over when Doink turned face. But it was awful. It was just awful. Uh, side uh, side story on this WrestleMania nine. This was this was Ross's first WrestleMania, was it not? Yep, it absolutely was. He, first he sounded great. And uh, he sounded so good that Vince fucking took him off the mic afterwards. Like, it's a, it's a long story. A whole other podcast about the way Vince yeah. shits on JR and treats him like shit. But whatever. Yeah. Yeah. It's unbelievable. And that's his and that's his first moment of WrestleMania is WrestleMania 9. Yep. So, sorry, JR. Sorry about that. Sorry about your bad luck. All right. Moving forward. This is great because this is a brother v. brother match. And we're going to talk about it. And we'll, you know, give Jess a nice little uh, Jeopardy quiz. But he already knows the answer before I even ask it. Uh, We're talking about Jeff Hardy versus Matt Hardy. Extreme rules match at WrestleMania 25. These guys are phenomenal anyway. And this is the second time that brothers face each other at a WrestleMania. Yeah. You know, Kane versus versus Undertaker do not count. No, not real brothers. Uh, I'm talking about real brothers. Real Brett brothers. versus Owen opened up WrestleMania 10. And then these guys were in the middle and of the car here at WrestleMania down, 25. The Sorry? And they tore the house down. At oh, yeah. 10. And they were actually highlighted in our first uh, underrated moments uh, WrestleMania match episode. Yep. Um, yeah. This match was fucking awesome. And it actually disappointed a lot of wrestling critics because apparently everybody wanted uh, one of them to die in this. <laughs> and it was really it was a cool setup. Uh, you know, they got Edge down and there's a lot of history with Edge and Hardy and Matt Hardy and all that stuff. And they they got Edge down and they were going to concerto him. 
But then mm. Jeff Hardy said, hey, Matt, why don't you just put the chair under his face? Because Edge was unconscious uh, laying on his stomach. And he's like, put it, put it under his face and I'll hit him on the back of the head with it and could share it to him that way. Well, of course, when Jeff, uh, uh, Jeff Hardy went to put the chair under Edge's face, when he stood up, Matt Hardy hits him right in the face with the chair. And that turns. And then Matt Hardy did this really cool heel gimmick of, you know, everyone's always liked you. I've always been the better wrestler. I've always been the better, the bigger wrestling fan. I got you into wrestling when we were kids. Um, I'm the one that just loves this sport. But yet the promoters love Jeff Hardy. The fans and the little girls love Jeff Hardy. And it was really awesome that they did it. And these guys, they took on each other at WrestleMania 25. There's and a lot of truth to that statement, by the way, too. There, No, there really is. And I think that's why they did it, because it yeah. was that way. And I think Jeff true. would I think Jeff would agree, honestly. And yeah. um, But everybody's always like Jeff. He has more natural charisma. It's, I think that's more, what really More natural Jeff. aerial ability than, yes. than Matt. Yeah. But Matt was really the better wrestler and had the better mind for wrestling. I better mean, look psychology. At, look at his broken, he puts more into it. He puts look more at his broken sure. character that he did in well, it's TNA. It's incredible. Yeah, yeah so, I mean, incredible. you know, so these guys had a really good match. People thought, you know, I, my only critique of this match was it was only 13 minutes. It could have been like 20, and I would have loved it. And it was an, an extreme rules match, and they were awesome. And I'm telling you, man, like, I know people wanted this to go longer, and a lot of wrestling critics are like, oh, it kind of disappointed me. No, I don't think so at all. You know, they they were caught in that vortex of, they could either use WrestleMania to end a feud and have a blow-off match, or they could use WrestleMania to start a feud and have, you know, the next pay-per-view. This was an era where they needed their small pay-per-views, like their backlashes and their judgment days and their whatever, to do good, you know? So they would start a feud at Mania, and this was the first match of the feud, and the pay-per-view after and then the one after that, they would have a rematch and a third rematch. So this was to start their feud. So people, I think, were disappointed in this because they're just like, it was an Extreme Rules match. It was only 13 minutes long. But dude, like, go back and watch the end of this. Jeff fucking Hardy misses a leg drop off the off the top of the ladder. He brought a ladder in the ring, by the way. But it was the big ladder, the massive yeah. fucking ladder. Like the, We're the I, 16 feet. Oh, Jesus. Like, and he misses a leg drop from the top of that. And they yeah. end the match with Matt Hardy putting Jeff's uh, imagine taking a steel chair and making it erect. And you know that space between the part that supports your back and the you know the seat where you put your ass on yeah. that space. Mm-hmm. He puts Matt's head, or sorry, he puts Jeff's head through that and gives him the twist of fate with the chair on. It's fucking awesome. Crowd seemed to love it, by the way. Well, they Matt Hardy, and no, they did. The crowd ooh and awed a lot, and like Matt, the right person won because you could have Jeff win the rematch or whatever, you know. And like this, yeah. go back and watch this match. This is it, again another perfect scenario where nobody talks about this match, but yet it's worth watching. This was match there a really match good. at twenty five, Jess, where you felt over, uh, you know, because it was so good, it kind of overshadows this one. I would say probably um, this little match that no one's heard of. The first Undertaker and Shawn Michaels, probably. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's why. So good point. There you have it. Good. Yeah. Point. I mean, I mean, but that's why it's a, that's why it's a forgotten moment. I mean, you know, you, you go you go to 25 and you go, oh, yeah. Shawn and Taker. Right. Done. And that's your first thing you think of. But then you see this match and you're like, damn, that was good. You know, yeah, yeah. It's it, everybody's putting their best foot forward at WrestleMania, and because of that, 
um, a fantastic match at any other pay-per-view that would tear the house down could come off as mediocre and definitely forgotten. And that's exactly what this topic is all about. You know, it's it's amazing. So, as always, guys, you can reach us via Instagram at OWP2019, SoundCloud at Our Wrestling Podcast, YouTube at Our Wrestling Channel, or do the easy thing, download WrestlePost at no charge to you, and join us along with other great podcasts of the day. This is Dave and Jess with OWP. Have a good one.